0: Um, it is time for us to focus on movies, because it is a Friday. And uh, James Marsh is with us. We're on Facebook Live, if you'd like to join us on the uh, Morning Brew on RTHK Radio 3 uh, page. Uh, James, how are you? Oh do we, do we have James? I think we might have lost James. Exc- excited for the new oh, year. Oh, now now we've got you, James. Sorry, we didn't really? hear you. Yeah, how are you doing?
1: Ah, OK. I, I am very well. A little bit cold, but otherwise, it's all good. It's a good excuse to stay inside and watch more movies, I think.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. No, it's a great time. And there have been some great movies on over Christmas and New Year, as as there always are. And uh, lots of great new movies as well. And uh, not a chance yet to see uh, Wonder Woman uh, 1984 um, and Gal Gadot, um, uh, which we talked about last week. But um, I guess it's coming soon, isn't it? Are we Are going to be able to watch it here soon?
1: Uh, in Hong Kong, as soon as the cinemas reopen, it will be on day one, almost guaranteed. And by all accounts, all of the noises coming from Warner Brothers and HBO are that the plan is to get HBO Max into every nook and cranny of the world, ASAP as well. So uh, it's only a matter of time, I think.
0: Mm. OK, well, tell us what you're going to uh, talk to us about uh, today. What are the um, the three movies that you've got in uh, in, in mind? Okay, well,
1: there's a couple of things on Netflix. There's We Can Be Heroes from Robert Rodriguez. There's also a Taiwanese horror movie called The Rope Curse 2. But without a doubt, the biggest thing out right now that we should be talking about is Pixar's new movie, Soul. Again, this is something that was all all lined up for a big sort of Christmas Day theatrical release in Hong Kong. And so we're still sitting around waiting for the moment they open. However... You know uh, where it is available. People have been able to see it on sort of Disney Plus and what have you. It has had one of those uh, simultaneous platform digital releases, uh, and it's sort of shaping up to be probably the best animated film of the year. Uh, it looks like another shoe in for Pixar come Oscar time in the animated feature category. Uh, just to lay out the plot very simply, uh, this is well, this is the latest film from Pete Doctor who is pretty much well established now as sort of the, the most successful filmmaker working for pixar he did monsters inc and up and inside out he's got a couple of oscars under his belt already and soul is the story of uh, a middle-aged african-american uh wannabe jazz pianist called joe gardner who has unable for one reason or another to fulfill his dream and now, now as uh, as luck would happen so his life is pretty sort of frustrating and uh, unfulf- unfulfilled and he's hitting the back end of middle age and so he's kind of feeling like everything of his gives him the opportunity to join a quartet with one of the great soul singers at a, at a jazz club he passes the audition and, uh, you know, he's asked to come back for the performance that night. Uh, but then he falls in a man, down a manhole and dies. His soul goes up towards the great beyond. And he says, no, I don't want this. This isn't what I want. He leak escalator to the bright light and finds himself somewhere called the Great Before, where souls are essentially sorted and assigned to a body, a newborn body down on Earth. And he passes himself off as a mentor, because otherwise he's going to get caught and sent back, and he has partnered up with this very uh, mischievous, troublemaking soul just known as Number 22. Uh, and they form a, an unlikely partnership, and if he can find 22 something... To uh, be passionate about then twenty two will get down to earth and he will be able to get a second chance uh, and so that 's what the film is about it 's about these this sort of mismatch pairing uh neg- navigating their way through the great before and the great beyond and then during the second half of the film uh, back on earth as well trying to sort of fix all the all where, all the things where it went wrong so I mean, I, I, I this, this on on the surface feels very much like sort of classic Pixar fare. To, a lot of their films are about sort of uh, sort of buddy comedies, essentially, sort of an, an unlikely pair of people. Look at Toy Story, Finding Nemo, Monsters Inc, uh, Inside Out, everything. Almost all of their movies, with the possible exception of like Cars and The Incredibles, are about two characters who shouldn't get along, uh, having to sort of navigate their way through some strange and fantastical environment. Uh, And so going in, I was a bit like, "Okay, here we go yet again. However, uh, the film is is delightful and quite profound at times, and uh, rather charming. It's voiced by Jamie Foxx voices Joe Gardner and Tina Fey voices uh, Number Twenty Two. Uh, it's the first time they've had an African American. Uh, main protagonist in a Pixar movie uh, the, the soundtrack is uh, on the one hand you have Atticus Rocks and Trent Reznor who work with David Fincher a lot doing this sort of very strange cosmic score for the film particularly during its sort of otherworldly moments and then you have uh, John Baptiste who is the band leader on Steve, Stephen Colbert's A Late Show uh you know the, the the great sort of tv chat show uh he provides all of the sort of the jazz arrangements for the film of which you might expect there are many uh there are other voice characters on the way particularly um graham norton uh pops up as a kind of Sign twirling cosmic weirdo who can bridge both worlds through his meditation, and so he serves as
0: something of a conduit for them. Uh, but essentially, a sign twirling g- g- cosmic weirdo. I, <laughs> I, I'm sure we will thank you for that one. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's
1: a typically sort of goofy, oddball character, but uh, yeah, he more than makes makes the most of it. And um, essentially, it's a film about um determinism you know uh, whether we're, we all have one purpose whether we have uh a spark as they call it something that you are born to do or whether your fate is in your own hands and destiny is in your own hands and you have uh it's up to you to find your own passion or to to create it for yourself um wisely i think all of it's um how do you say, heavenly iconography is non-denominational. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's very much just a bright light and ascending staircase. I, I said, you know, more than any particular sort of religious iconography, it reminded me of Powell and Pressburger's classic, uh, A Matter of Life and Death, known in the US as Stairway to Heaven. Right. But that is all about this sort of ascending escalator up into the celestial body, and uh, it definitely evokes that. There um,
0: seems to be quite a, if you don't mind me saying, almost a highbrow uh, animated film, um, which is kind of unusual, because you know, the moment you said Pixar, I'm thinking of you know kids, you know mm. very very sort of normal kids animated movies, um, and it's not that right. It's it's something, and it, the people that are in it seem to be you know very mature, Jamie Fox and Tina Fey, Graham Norton, all these kind of people.
1: Right. I mean, it certainly is more than simply a kids movie. I mean, it, the Pixar have done a fantastic job of, job of creating films and telling stories that work on many levels, but you know, not to patronize its younger audience. This isn't a film where a lot of it will go over the heads of the children. What it is trying to do is address difficult topics. You know, this is a film essentially about death and um, what happens after you die. And what happens if you, you know, and and that you shouldn't necessarily embrace your fate, if you like. Um, So it addresses these very, very serious topics, but does so in sort of an intelligent uh, and accessible manner. You know and i think that's the great skill at work here i mean inside out was a film essentially about child psychology um dealing with sadness and and addressing the fact that it's okay to be sad and through our sadness we can find great happiness was the message there and here it's very much about um not feeling the pressure that you need to be achieving certain laid out goals but about finding what it means defining your own life for yourself uh in the, in the time that you are allotted and um yeah you know, without talking down or doing it in a sort of an infantile manner and i think that's the great strength of the film
0: so for people that like great music and particularly jazz music you know having some of these big names i mean th- there's a there's a great pull to watch it just for that right i guess
1: oh yeah absolutely there's kind of two separate soundtracks for the film i was i was looking it up this morning just to sort of revisit the music and they've released two entirely separate uh, soundtrack albums for the film. There's The the Score from Trent Reznor. Mm. Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails is scoring a Disney movie, essentially. You know, this is where we are now. I mean, right. he, him and Atticus Rocks have been collaborating for a long time on scores. They did The Social Network and films like that. Uh, they did something else just this earlier this year, which slipped my mind right now. But yeah, they are fast becoming one of the most prolific mm. uh, musicians do, uh, doing orchestral scores for films. And their work in particular... I found to be a highlight of the film. I mean, the the visuals it, when they're dealing with these sort of celestial planes and the the escalator and the the great before, like I said, and then there's a, a an area called the Zone, which is kind of like an area that the the those who are dead and those who are alive can both access. It's an area where artists, you know, when they get into the zone, you know, mm. and they're playing, when their inspiration takes them somewhere transcendental, that's where they go. But it's also where lost souls um, sort of wander looking for their purpose. And the music and the visuals use their work to sort of complement each other really rather well. But then, of course, a film about jazz music and the passion for jazz music would die very quickly if it didn't have incredible jazz music in it as well and uh it was a very sort of smart choice using john baptiste who i don't think has worked in film before but it's this very sort of freestyle piano oriented um jazz compositions that were here which which are fantastic and um well, worth are seeking out as well. Mm,
0: excellent. Excellent. Well, I, I'm attracted to watch it, which is unusual for me for a Pixar film, to be honest. Yeah.
1: So, um. Well, I know. I think there is still that kind of natural aversion to, you know, with a certain sort of demographic, shall I say, where you're like, well, do I really want to sit down and watch a kid's movie or do mm. I want to pay to watch a kid's movie? Um, it's not a kid's movie, it's a movie that adults and kids can. Uh, uh, can enjoy equally uh, for the same reasons not for different it's not like oh is it here's a pop culture reference for the for dads you know who have been dragged along to this kids movie it's not that it's something that addresses a universal audience with intelligence and uh and great sort of insight okay and it's very funny
0: yeah okay great great <laughs> yeah yeah no i'm actually looking forward to it now you've you've, you've turned me around Excellent. on that one you've turned me around what else have we got Okay,
1: so on Netflix, there's a film called We Can Be Heroes, which is the latest from Robert Rodriguez. Oh, he's...
0: another superhero film!
1: Well, yes, unfortunately, yes. Um, and not only is it another f- uh, superhero film, it's the second superhero film starring Pedro Pascal to come out this week, this, this month. This week? I mean, oh my he God. Plays, he plays the villain in Wonder Woman 84, and he's also sort of one of the central protagonists in this film. So... Um, Robert Rodriguez sort of came up at the same time as Quentin Tarantino and Kevin Smith and people like that uh, really sort of made his name making uh, sort of dark action horror movies like Desperado from Dust Till Dawn, Sin City, films like that. But he had this kind of sort of dual personality to himself as a filmmaker where he also wanted to make fun kids movies, uh, most uh, specifically the Spy Kids films. Uh, now, they worked because they were legitimate action movies that just happened to have young protagonists. Now, another one of the films that he made for kids at that time was called Shark Boy and Lava Girl. And this film is actually sort of incidentally uh, a sequel to Shark Boy and Lava Girl, which were kind of these two alien sort of superheroes but played by by young actors and who are now adults. And essentially, the setup in We Can Be Heroes is that we live in a world of superheroes. You know, there are um, characters like uh, Miracle Guy and Techno and Shark Boy and Lava Girl, who who all work together but are very sort of uh, visible in the public eye. And w- this is just the world that we live in. Now, there's an alien invasion in the opening moments of the film that kidnaps all of these superheroes right takes them away and leaving leaving the world vulnerable to invasion from this alien race and it falls to the children of these superheroes who all go to school together and all have um sort of sort of lingering undeveloped powers of their own uh sort of at their disposal, and so the, sort of the, the, the covert authorities have sort of shield, the shield of this movie if you like, have no alternative but to round them all up help them develop their skills and then send them out to defend the world in their place. So it is essentially exactly the same plot as Spy Kids. <laughs> Uh, okay. which was a which was about the children of a, a sort of mom and pop spy duo who are kidnapped by bad guys who, and the kids have to step up and do the fighting form and so he have exactly the same setup albeit with about eight or ten sort of ethnically diverse um boys and girls of all different sort of ethnicities and nationalities coming together with all these different sort of powers, including the ability to speed things up, slow things down, rewind things, there's a stretchy guy, and you, know, you name it, uh, mm. to take out, to sort of save the world. And uh, I didn't get much from it. Right. I have to, I have to be honest. Um, there are a couple of moments when it suggests that it's going to be a kind of a smart, sort of satire dissection of of superhero movies. You know, the kids at one point complain. um, Well, they don't complain. They point, they say, we don't want costumes. We don't want capes and we don't want to wear our underwear on the outside because that's dumb. And then everybody knows that we're the superheroes and the bad guys will find us really easily and things like that. And you're like, oh, okay. Is this going to be one of these films where it actually, you know, takes its time to dissect everything that is kind of stupid and, you Mm. know, about Mm. superhero movies. But it doesn't it doesn't really do that it ends up being just a very by the numbers kind of just kids movie a bit like you know wants to be the goonies or essentially like i said it is just a retread of spy kids just with
0: superpowers rather than guns and but i suppose you could say that that's refreshing in a way because superhero films to some extent have become quite violent haven't they you know a lot of them have gone that way and and perhaps a superhero film that is properly a family film is a good thing
1: uh, sure, I think... But, I mean, it's it's interesting seeing it sort of in quick succession with something like Soul. And, you know, mm. as I as I said, one of the things I liked about Soul so much was that it doesn't talk down to its audience. It doesn't sort of single out kids and say, this one's for you, and I'm going to, uh, you know, snip, snip the claws off it uh, in order to make it more suitable. Whereas We Can Be Heroes feels very much like that. It feels like, okay, this is one for the kids, so we're stripping away all the violence, so we're stripping right. away all the all the sort of serious action, all the sharp edges. And it feels at all times, and the the production design is all very sort of bright colours and rounded corners. And it feels like, you know, it's made out of Duplo or something like that. You know, it feels so careful Mm. and soft that you're kind of like, in a way that Spy Kids didn't. Spy Kids succeeded because it, it stayed violent, if you know what I mean, and it was about kids finally having a go at, be, at playing the hero. Mm. Here, it's like the entire world has changed to become child-friendly, and as a result, there wasn't much in it for me, I have to I,
0: say. I, I guess, you know, you could you could argue, though, that some parents like that, you know, and they, they, they don't want that element of, of violence, and um, so maybe for them it would it would appeal. But, no, um, oh, interesting.
1: mm Oh, sure, sure. And I think there's a way of doing it where you don't have to sort of graphically show the violence, but the sensibility can remain. And I think, you know, we are talking about superheroes saving the world from invading aliens. So there needs to be some degree of peril and threat and all the rest of it to to engage the audience. And, you know, and you look at a film from like the 80s, like The Goonies or something like that, which is a very similar idea. They, they were, you know, they were in real danger throughout. And I think um, that's what helped a film like that uh resonate with kids because it was that escapism. Here it just feels like how you know, they're going out trick or treating or something and it never really feels engaging in that regard.
0: Okay, well let's have a look at the uh the third one on your list today. What is what is that?
1: Okay, very quickly, yeah, there's uh The Rope Curse 2. Now I hadn't seen The Rope Curse 1, but I did so I did a little bit of research on <laughs> The Rope Curse one, and it seems if, to if be If you, if the, you
0: if you haven't seen it, then it probably wasn't very yeah. significant, frankly, honestly. <laughs> if you haven't seen it. <laughs>
1: Uh, Yeah, I I wasn't even sure when it had come out or anything like that, and it it was from 2018. A few of the sort of ancillary characters Mm. do cross over, but the the main sort of drive of the narrative all involves sort of new characters. Uh, and and so you don't really feel that you've missed out on anything. Uh, the story here centers around a young girl called Jamin, who ha- she's a, she's an orphan. Her parents died in a car crash. She now lives with her aunt and uncle who aren't very pleasant to her. And she has the ability to contact the spirit world. Now, her, her uncle gets mixed up with some drug dealers who have themselves evoked um, or rather provoked an evil Thai black magic kind of demon through their their drug dealing. Uh, So this Thai, essentially this Thai demon has come over and starts cursing people and uh, forcing them to kill themselves. This happens to her uncle. Her auntie now looks like she has become possessed. Uh, And so... It falls to the, young, um, to the young niece to kind of use her powers, which she, she da- hasn't really developed. You see a common thread running through, connective tissue running through all of these films. She's a young one who hasn't developed the powers that she has been gifted. Uh, and so it falls to a, a Taoist priest, a guilt-ridden Taoist priest, whose own Sifu has, has been killed by something very similar. Uh, he sort of pairs up with her, teaches her how to use her skills. And so there's a kind of surrogate father-daughter thing going on. Right. He sees it as a chance for his own redemption. Now, uh, I will say straight up, it's not scary. It, it wants to be scary it's not avoiding being scary it just isn't succeeding in being scary at all uh it seems to be far more interesting in looking at the sort of uh traditional ritualistic practices of certain sort of taoist ceremonies and all the rest of it particularly ones unique to certain uh, towns down in the south of taiwan and does a good job of recreating all of those
0: so this is a taiwanese
1: movie right this is a, sorry yes this, this is a taiwanese film and so in that regard you're like okay fair enough uh, but at the end of the day, people who are going to watch this film are, want to, are watching it because it's a horror movie or they think it's a horror movie. They come to this film because they want to be scared and they're not going to be. Mm. And mm. so, you know, if you if you want to learn a little bit about Taoist ceremonies and Taoist priests, um, you will get that, you know. And, and that is interesting. And the, the idea of Taoist priests going up against sort of Thai black magic is promising. You know, especially with a sort of young female protagonist caught in the middle who has the power to sort of see dead people. Um, unfortunately, uh, it never quite comes together effectively as a horror movie.
0: So you're not going to see the Rope Curse one.
1: I'm I'm gonna leave it, you know. <laughs> I feel I feel I've learnt enough from the second one to uh, to to not not feel it's necessary. I don't think I'm missing out on too much.
0: So it sounds like of the three, that uh, that Soul is the one that uh, you've you've absolutely. rolled with absolutely,
1: absolutely. You know, and rightly so. You're seeing it appear on a lot of sort of top ten best of lists. Mm. Uh, I mean, it's not only probably the best animated film of the year, but but one of the best films of the year of of any format or of any uh genre uh and we can be heroes i mean it's certainly safe for kids to watch mm. you know it's that's on netflix right now and it's certainly safe to put the children in front of that's for sure um and the rope curse i too i wouldn't bother <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay well that puts it down doesn't it uh, yeah. just just in 30 seconds 2021 looking good for movies it all
1: depends on on cinema whether cinemas are going to reopen because if they're not, then certainly in Hong Kong it's not looking very good at all. Um, you know, Warner Brothers Disney in particular have these plans to roll everything out digitally, but until those platforms are available locally, mm-hmm. we can only hope the cinemas reopen
0: yeah well fingers crossed for that and uh absolutely um you know i don't know hopefully uh hopefully the cases will go down and we will at least have some socially distanced movie watching in the cinemas james marsh as ever on a friday happy new year and thanks very much Cheers, mate. happy new year